Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. We are so excited about uh, tonight. Tonight is going to be so much fun. If you came this morning, we had three different communicators. And so this is Communicators Sunday. You can clap for that. And so I'm going to tell you what that is. If you don't know, you're like, what does that mean? Uh, That means that occasionally we take time and get a lot of our leaders who lead in different areas. And we say, hey, we believe that you have a story that needs to be told. And, and, And there are days that we will... Uh, in a year, we'll do probably two times a year, we'll go through a, a book of the Bible, and we'll really dig deep. And then there's times that we do topical, and then there's times we do evangelical. And, 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 and this series is actually inside of another. And so the last two weeks, we've been talking about on target, being on target. And we have broke that down on Last week was the tar, and in fact, let me give you the verse that we've been talking about, and then you'll know why and where we're going in this uh, series here in the middle of what we're talking about. In Psalms 103, verse 1 through 5, says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Come on, everybody say benefits. Who forgives your iniquity, heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. Come on, I I can't tell you how exciting it is that whatever we find ourselves in, God has a way out. That's huge. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy and who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. When I read this, The interpretation that I get from this text is that with God, all things are possible. You may have been crowned with shame, but God can crown you with something else. You may have been crowned with failure. Growing up in a home, someone always telling you that you're not this or that. And you may have put on something very toxic, but God can take that off. And begin to crown you with something totally different. And and what this tells me is that with God, all things are possible. And so from time to time, we want to take a break from just preaching the word. And we actually want to produce a living, breathing testimony so that your faith, come on, listen, is encouraged. Here's the verse and the context for what we're going to do today. Mark chapter 5, verse 19. And Jesus just got done healing a man. And here is what happens. And he, Jesus, did not permit him, the one who was just healed, did not prevent him from going with them. But he said, go home to your friends. And can I just stop real quick? Like, if this would have been this culture, he would have been canceled. Jesus would have been canceled. How dare you? I mean, you were so friendly and nice when you healed me, and now you're not going to let me join your team? Favoritism. Just another ministry that already has already all of its favorites. No, 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 no. You, you need to understand something. Jesus 
always is going to do what's best for the kingdom. And actually what is best for you is if you do what is best for the kingdom. We have to make sure that our worldview and our philosophy is that God is not going to do what is best for you. He's going to do what's best for him. And that happens to be what's best for you. Okay? That means that we don't, we don't, we don't make the prescription on what God should do. God tells us. And so Jesus says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy. Everybody say mercy. On you. So from time to time, we've got to have testimonies that talk about here is what God's done for me, and here is the mercy that's been on my life. Here is what God's done for me, and here is the mercy that's been on my life. And when you begin to hear those stories, here is what I'm hope that happens. I hope there's an exchange of emotion and pain, and you're thinking, I mean, you may be in the, the seat tonight, and you may go, nobody really gets where I'm coming from. But when you hear more and more testimonies, you're like, wow, if God did it for them, God can do it for me. And the same, because the Bible says that he's no respecter of person, so what he does in them, he can do in you if you will allow him to lead, come on, listen, your life. So, with no further ado, I'm going to pray, and we have three communicators that are going to go 11 minutes. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be fast and furious, so get ready, okay? Just get ready. It's going to be 11 minutes, and they're going to exchange, and 11 minutes, and they're going to exchange, and I am praying that something is transferred that you need. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for what you're about to do in this place as uh, Nick, Destin, and Tandy begin to share the story of what God's done in their life and the mercy that you have bestowed on them. And Father, I pray that it encourages us and challenges us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, amen. Now, here's the deal. Before he comes up, y'all going to have to do good, okay? Because all these three people, listen, have been so nervous working so hard come on like some of you if i said hey y'all y'all get to preach some of you be like finally <laughs> go and give me that podium but most of you would be like i'm i'm going to pee <laughs> on myself like it would, it would be very and so let's do good at at them depositing what they have to give us y'all give a big hand for nick baldridge What is up, House family? Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Pastor Stephen, for letting me come up here and speak tonight. Uh, like you said, my name is Nick Baldridge. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I have been coming here to the house for almost five years now. Uh, it has been a really amazing place since day one, and it has been getting better and better every single year that we have been here. And so it's uh, just an amazing place. If you're not plugged in, find somewhere, get plugged in. This is an amazing family to be a part of. And uh, tonight, I want to walk you through just a short time in my life when everything went from pretty great and steady to scary and uncertain, took a really drastic and unexpected turn very, very suddenly. And so my title for you guys tonight is When the Odds Are Against You. Just a, a little bit of backstory here. Ever since my early teen years, um, I felt this desire deep within myself to get married young, have a big family, lots of kids, long marriage, all that kind of good stuff, right? I come from divorce and broken families on both sides of the family, and I really, just at a young age, wanted to renew our family line. And um, 
I started taking this desire of my heart to God in prayer, like Psalm 34, uh, 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, don't take that as God will give you anything that you want. You can't say, hey, God, I'd love to have a brand new shiny bass boat in my driveway on Monday. That's likely not going to happen, right? <laughs> now, it could happen, but that's not really the context of the verse. But um, <laughs> I knew that this desire in my heart was from God because, I mean, what the heck kind of a 10 to 11-year-old kid is thinking about marriage and family so young, right? And so a few years later, at about age 19, I started attending a Christian internship down in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, really awesome time in my life, made some really great friends that I still have to this day. But then there was this girl. There was this girl, right? I saw her. She saw me seeing her. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. This is the one. And so after we graduated, we started dating and we got engaged and then we got married at the age of 22. I got to marry the love of my life, my wife, Shelby Baldridge, right over here. And, you know, at, at, at uh, about 23, about a year and a half into marriage, we found out that we were pregnant with our first son, Jason Lee. And this was a really, really incredible moment for me because I had been, you know, since ages 10 to 11, been thinking about my family, been thinking about becoming a dad. And so this was absolutely huge. I was pumped for this. And I could basically, you know, start seeing God's plan for my life unfolding right before my eyes, right? And so then in year two, we had just bought our first home, just had our first kid. I'm working really, really hard at the company I'm working at, trying to move up, make a way for the family. And life is going pretty great, right? Then we get some great news that we are pregnant with our second child. And so that was, you know, super exciting. Some people kind of looked at us like we were crazy having two kids so close together. But, you know, our whole philosophy was everybody needs a buddy. So we kind of had planned for that. <laughs> <laughs> but then... I started having some really strange sickness symptoms. And we ignored it for a while, but the symptoms didn't go away. They kind of started to get a little bit worse, and so we finally decided to go and get it checked out. And so we go into the doctor's office, expecting it to be you know, pretty routine, because at this point in my life, I'm a 24-year-old young man. I'm a lean, mean, athletic machine at this point, right? <laughs> and so we're expecting this visit to go pretty normal. But uh, pretty quickly into the doctor's visit, you know, the doctor looks at us and he's like, well, I don't entirely know what this is, but odds are that it's probably cancer. And I think that we need to get you into a specialist right away. And that hit me, you know, pretty incredibly hard. Um, and the reason for that is because we had a lot of family members that had cancer on both sides of our family. And pretty much everybody that had experienced it, it pretty much meant death over time. And it was something that was, you know, cancer was synonymous with death with us. And so it scared us pretty good. And so we decided to go ahead and follow the doctor's advice. And we went over to see the specialist. And uh, he did confirm that it was indeed cancer. Now, this next part of the story is pretty bittersweet for me because there's a lot of, you know, good parts to it. But I tended to get stuck on the negative aspects of it because of how it made me feel, how it made my wife feel, and the implications that came with it. And so the, uh, the specialist proceeded to tell us the good news, that we had caught everything really early, and that he thought that it was curable through surgery and through chemotherapy. And so that was a big sigh of relief, right? But then this dude just jumps right into it without missing a beat. But you guys are done having kids, right? And that was just, I mean, just a big gut punch to me. Sucked the air right out of me. Because, I mean, I'm standing here in this doctor's office with my six-month pregnant wife, and this doctor's telling me that we're not going to have any more kids going forward after we go through chemotherapy. And so with that news, I kind of, 
you know, spiraled into a dark place for a little while as I was facing the now impossible dream of what I thought that God had for me, you know. And the doctors told us that the odds were stacked against us very, very heavily. And at the moment, the odds were stronger than God was in my eyes. And so I had been clinging to this desire in my heart for so long about the big family with the lots of kids. And now this doctor is telling me that I may not have any more children going forward. This was, you know, not the way that I thought that life was supposed to go. I mean, how, how could it? How, I just was looking back. How could I have gotten here? Anybody ever felt like that? I mean, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a hard place to be in, right? And so we were, we were upset. We were mad. We didn't really know what to do. We were sad. We were uncertain. And so we started reaching out to our family, our friends, and our mentors, and we kept getting pointed back to this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will, and he will show you which path to take. We were reminded not to lean on what we thought was going to happen, but to rely on God. We were reminded to cling to the Father, to hold tightly onto God. And so we decided to do what the doctors had advised and just lean on the Lord through the process. Surgery was really quick, and then we started the chemotherapy process, which really kind of rocked our world, you know. I had to take leave from work, and so we had to figure out how we were going to make ends meet. Um, we had a one-year-old kid, and we didn't really know what to do with at the time because my wife wanted to be with us, be with me at the cancer center. But then my mother-in-law uh, graciously volunteered to take care of him during the week so my wife could be there every day. So that was pretty amazing. Um, but then I started getting sicker through the process as the drugs did their work on the cancerous cells. And at that point, I lost all of my hair. I mean, all of this hair that you see was gone. And uh, I was not one of those people that have a good-looking bald head, okay? <laughs> I was, uh, I was in some kind of an awkward place between a cue ball and an egg, and so just to kind of paint the picture for you there. But uh, let me tell you, we were an odd-looking couple walking through the grocery store. You have this eight-month pregnant woman, this little tiny one-year-old kid, and the sickly-looking bald dude buying all the Fruit Loops you can get your hands on. And so we were quite the sight to see. But uh, we finally finished up the chemotherapy process, and praise God that it did everything that it was supposed to do, and I was cancer-free. And so we ended chemotherapy two weeks before Shelby was due to have our second son, Isaac. And so we prepared for that as much as we could, you know, within the time frame. But everything went smoothly, and we were able to welcome our second baby into the world. And uh, that was absolutely huge for us, a huge, huge blessing at the end of a really difficult year. And so that was, that was pretty amazing. But then the, the wait and see began. During the months that followed, the enemy began working on me more so than I really let on to my wife and more so than I let on to anybody else because, you know, I don't really like to share my feelings. And so <laughs> um, a hard question kind of started creeping into my mind. Will our dream have died so that I can live? And I know that that sounds a little bit dramatic, but that's, that's where I was for a long period of time. The enemy was really kind of twisting every single one of my feelings and amplifying all of my feelings that were inside, all the negative ones, you know. And so we, we begin the process of recovery I go back to work, we're raising our two little sons, and we're trying to figure out a rhythm for life after cancer. And then, out of nowhere, we start getting this feeling that it's time for us to move away to a different place. And, you know, kind of on the outside looking in, that was a little bit crazy. Um, but we were praying about it and waiting to see if the feeling went away, but it didn't go away. And we knew that it was time for us to go, so we ended up moving here to the Rogers area. And, you know, at first we didn't really know how that was going to turn out. But we took the step no matter what it looked like. 
going back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we were seeking his will, and he showed us the path to take. He showed the path, so, I mean, we had to take the step, right? I mean, he, he was clearly showing us. And so the week that we moved into our new house here, we found out that we were pregnant again. <laughs> and we were going to have our little baby girl, Madeline, and I'm sure you guys have seen her running around here like crazy. That girl is a giant bucket of smiles. And so, um, and then a little over two years later, we find out that we are pregnant again. And this time, we have our little fireball Samuel. So now we have a full house. We are rocking the minivan lifestyle <laughs> with three boys, one girl, and a dog. And so we are busy busy. And so I know I kind of sped through a lot of years of my life, and there's a lot of details in between. But the point that I wanted to make is that we can't see the future, but we can rely on God. And when the odds are stacked against you, cling to the Father. Hold tightly to God because He is faithful, He is stronger than the odds, and He honors what He puts in your heart. Thank God that I have been cured of cancer, that I'm alive here today with all of you. Thank God that all my hair grew back. <laughs> and thank God that he didn't give up on me when I questioned him. I am so thankful that I get to stand here tonight and remind all of you that with God, all things are possible. Let me pray for you guys real quick. God, thank you for everyone here tonight. I pray that they receive what you have for them through our stories that we share. Help everyone to remember that when the storms of life come, that they can cling to the Father and they will make it through. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Y'all help me welcome our next speaker, Ms. Destin Pegues. Thank you. God is so faithful, you guys. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Destin Pegues. I am married to Gary Pegues. <laughs> and my in-laws are here today, you guys. They drove six hours to talk, to hear us talk, and I'm so excited, but I kind of just want to uh, let you know what we do here. We serve here at the house. Me and Gary are in the next generation. So, <laughs> hey, if you want to come serve, come get with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gary does 6 to 11. I'm the next gen administrator. So I handle Sydney Chiwa's schedule. Um, <laughs> so if you need an appointment, come get with me. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm also a woman of many other hats. I'm a husband's administrator also. So any wife in this room can testify. <laughs> They'd be like, get with your wife. I am that person. You know, I just didn't think I would be that wife, but I am. <laughs> and I love it. My husband calls me throughout the day and says, hey, can you call this person? I said, sure, I will. We, we're finding a house. He said, can you call Jeff? I'm like, I cannot call Jeff. Jeff is working, but I will text him. <laughs> But um, I am from Little Rock, Arkansas. I was an intern here in 2018. Oh, yes, I believe every young person should go through this. It helped me find my voice with ministry, and I just loved it. And then I moved back home <laughs> after the internship. I went back home for six months, and then I came back and lived here, and then I lived with my best friend, Alexis, who preached an awesome word, but... I just want to come to you today that, and talk to y'all about fear, <laughs> that you can overcome fear. You know, um, I told y'all I moved here a couple years ago. It was not me. <laughs> um, I didn't really want to. <laughs> um, my first night as an intern, I remember the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you're moving here. And I just cried. <laughs> 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 I was like, I don't even know these people. <laughs> 
And you tell me the first night I'm staying here, I'm living here, oh, you guys to be playing with me. And so I went back home and I went back to my job. I was a little disobedient, obviously. I went back home. I went to my job, quit that job because I didn't like it anymore. Found another job, hated that job. And I didn't have no job. <laughs> and I was up here quite a lot. I think all my friends could testify. I was up here. People asked me, are you living down here? I said, no, I'm just visiting. <laughs> and I remember Katie, it's funny how God works. Katie was like, hey, are you working? I was like, no. She said, can you come watch my kids? And I was like, yes. Yeah. So I was up here like a lot. And I came in to watch the children. And the last time I watched the kids, I, um, Pastor Stephen asked me, what are you doing? You know, if Pastor Stephen asks you what you're doing, you already know the answer. <laughs> I was like, what you mean what I'm doing? I'm watching your kids. <laughs> he was like, no, you are being disobedient. Like, you know you're supposed to be coming down here. And I was like, I just cried. I was like, I'm coming. <laughs> so I went back home and I fasted and prayed. And that's just not the kick of it. I I went back home fast and prayed when I was supposed to come, and the Lord gave me an answer. So I went and told my family. <laughs> um, nobody was on board except for my mother. She told me it doesn't matter what I think. It was what God is saying. So I was like, okay. Anybody got two grand? I have two strong grandmothers, okay? They, one is very passive and sweet, and the other one is very sassy and direct. Who does that sound like? Me. So I remember, I remember telling her, I said, hey, I am, God is calling me to move to Northwest Arkansas. She just looked at me inside my head. And I was, she was like, why? You have a family here. You have a, a church family here. And I just looked at her. I said, I don't even want to go. Like, I don't, this is what God wants me to do. And she said, well, I talked to God, and he told me to leave you alone. I said, well, I'm so glad you talked to him. And, um. Let me tell you guys, I, I had fear of meeting a family that didn't look like me. You know what I'm saying? And it was just, it was a, it was a deep-rooted fear. I was like, they don't even know me. All, all I know about the six is that they told me they loved me a hundred times. <laughs> and they had good character. But you know what? I'm so glad that I did it. I gained an, <laughs> another family. I didn't know. I needed them, <laughs> and they helped me out through so much, <laughs> and I, it was, I guess God was, I know God was saying, you need to see another healthy family, <laughs> and they provided that, they provided that for me, I was, it's kind of hard when you think you know it all, <laughs> then God puts you in a situation you don't really know it all, <laughs> you become critical of people, but it was, it's really, it was a really healthy thing for me to see. They literally walk out what they say on this stage, you guys. Um, <laughs> fast forward just a little bit. Um, I met my husband, obviously, and, <laughs> and um, <laughs> if you know Gary, some of y'all don't know Gary and I's story. Um, when we first had a sit down, he basically told me I was going to be his wife. I 
And I said, you have lost your mind. I said, you need to go find God before you come find me, because this ain't it. And, and he did. Hallelujah. And um, obviously it worked out. He apologized. I fell in love. I love him so much, guys. And um, that's not the kicker. When I fell in love with Gary, I had to end up telling my father, like, I was in love with this guy. And <laughs> I remember my dad is a lot like me. You have to prepare him before the storm. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Cassie was coaching me how to communicate. I was like, hey, um, I just don't think Gary's going anywhere. And he just dusts me off because if you, I mean, I'm just being a little transparent. The guys never stuck with me. <laughs> Gary was the only one that stayed. And um, <laughs> my dad didn't listen. And I was like, I just don't think Gary's going anywhere. Like, I love him. And obviously, um, Gary went to go ask for my hand in marriage, and my dad said yes, but that wasn't the, the deal. I, we said yes, but we decided to get married four months after. And I think every dad in this room could probably feel how my father was feeling. And after that moment, he said, he called me every other week. Every week, and I was, he was like, do you know what you're getting yourself into? Do you know what a marriage is like? And obviously, by faith, I was like, yeah, I know. Oh, I know. I love this man. Like, he is perfect. Oh, my gosh. But he didn't. But what he did know, I had the same fears. I was like, I got to share my finances. I have to tell him where I'm going all the time. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> and I had to just share a, a community with him. Submit. I never had another man lead me other than my father. So it was really hard. But I believe there are people here today who's going through that. <laughs> you don't have to walk by fear. You see, if I listened to my feelings, I never would have married the man of my dreams. I never would have. Uh, met a family that I needed. And that goes to my my first point. Uh, let's see. Don't make a decision out of fear. Press into it. I kind of, so I can give you a biblical perspective. Esther is a, was the most beautiful woman in that time. And God basically chose her to be this, this king's queen. And he, the king had, I can't read the whole book, but the king had a homeboy named Haman. <laughs> and <laughs> Haman was not a good person. He actually didn't like Mordecai, her cousin. And I just found it funny. <laughs> Haman found out Mordecai was a Jew and Esther was a Jew. And <laughs> Mordecai said, hey. So she, he went to Esther and he said, hey. You, you don't have to do this, but I believe God has chosen you for such a time as this. And I believe in that moment, <laughs> Esther probably, her heart was in her, her shoes, because if the king didn't sin for, sin for you, he would kill you. So you know what she did? She fasted <laughs> for three days, and she did not just fast by herself. She fasted with her staff, and, God, and I believe God gave her a peace. 
because she went after she fasted, she went straight to the king and God appointed and God provided and he saved his people. Some of y'all need to fast <laughs> and hear the Lord. I fasted before I came. I fasted before I married my husband and God always provided. So number two, God provides every need. We just have to keep the faith. God loves you. He is for you. He wants a relationship with you. I believe there's some people in here who has anxiety. He's wanting to break that today. You don't have to walk, walk by fear. You don't. First Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. <laughs> I believe that should be in somebody's journal today. <laughs> Declare that over your life. Some of y'all are saying, that's not even real. Yes, it is. I'm a living witness. I'm up here. <laughs> so if y'all could just bow your heads for me. God, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you that you have broken yokes today. And we thank you that, and we just bind the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I want to introduce my friend, Tandy Pretmore. <laughs> I'm Tandy Predmore. Uh, <laughs> I, I think most of you are most famous for my role as Noah's mom. Um, and if you don't know Noah, he's, he's usually up here on the electric guitar. He's got the good hair. No offense, Nick, you have great hair. But, I mean, Noah, it's... Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my husband Eric and I, um, a.k.a. the most patient man on the planet, um, have been coming to the house for about four and a half years now. Um, I, I'm the mom life coordinator. Some of you might know me as that role, and I volunteer as an admin um, up here at the church during the week. So um, if you need an appointment with Stephen, you let me know. <laughs> I'll get you in when I can, I promise. Um, so I'm super excited to be able to speak with you guys today. Um, I'm going to be talking about holding on to the promise, um, and I'm going to tell you guys a story. <laughs> Oh, I see my baby back <laughs> Of our um, youngest son, Seth. He's only eight months old, so I know it might seem like he might not have a story, but just hold on. Um, you see, when I think about with God, all things are possible, I can't help but think about all these stories that I heard in Sunday school as a little kid. David and Goliath, Moses parting the Red Sea, uh, Joshua as the walls of Jericho came crumbling down because I love these. These are get-on-your-feet kind of stories. I love to be a hype person. I want everybody to be like, yes. Um, but that's not the kind of story I'm going to tell you today. Um, the type of story I'm going to tell you today, it, it's a little bit harder. Because sometimes, even though it's so important to know that in a single moment of faith, God can do amazing things, sometimes we put all of our faith in something and it doesn't work the way that we thought it would. Sometimes we prepare ourselves for a David and Goliath type moment, and we end up with a like wander in the desert for 40 years kind of situation. Um, so I'm going to take you back about three years ago. Um, our youngest daughter was a baby, and my husband and I were kind of trying to decide if we were going to have any more kids. At that time, we had a 15-year-old a two-year-old and an infant, and so, like, nobody was in an easy stage. <laughs> um, 
and, and having babies was really, we had a lot of complications, so we're like, I think we're good, you know? So as we kept having these conversations, just trying to, like, decide, make the decision, um, we both kept being like, yeah, we're good, but, but we feel like maybe we're supposed to have one more. But specifically, we just felt like God had a son for us. But, I mean, neither one of us had control over that. So we, we took a little while to decide if we really want to do this. But eventually we're like, let's do it. Let's go. Let's have one more. And it didn't take long until we saw those two pink lines. And let me tell you, I was ecstatic. I was like, this is it. God put it in our hearts. We are having this boy. It's going to be amazing. And in my excitement, God spoke to me two things. He gave me this picture in my head of my oldest son coming home from somewhere and seeing my husband walk out the door holding the hand of a three-year-old little boy. That was it. Um, but I, it, I knew we're having a son. Um, and then he said something else. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be okay. And I've never believed anything more strongly in my entire life. I held on to that promise like it was oxygen. I was 100% sure in a couple months I was going to be holding my son, my second son. Um, within a few weeks, we even had his name, which is a really big deal because our other kids didn't get named until contractions started. Like, we were in the hospital. <laughs> like, what is this kid's name? Um, so we had faith, okay? We had faith. I had zero doubt in my mind. Yet, I found myself in a hospital by myself with the doctors telling me I was losing this baby and there was nothing they could do. I was broken. I was not only grieving the loss of a child, I felt like I was grieving the loss of God. I felt like I was losing this specific promise. And what five minutes ago I was so sure of, now I was questioning. Did I actually hear God? Have I ever heard God? And if I did hear God, then why was this happening? Because, yes, this was hard, but this was not okay. Nothing about this was okay. And so I just didn't understand but in my questioning, in my grieving, I heard God say again, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be okay. And again, I saw this image of my husband and my two sons. And I'm going to be transparent in this moment because I feel like there's probably somebody here that feels the same way right now because they don't understand what's going on. Even though God was speaking to me again in that moment, I wanted to give up. I wanted to give God's promise back to him and say, you were wrong. I was fine with the way things were before, and then you spoke to me, and now it's just painful. I'm hurting because of what you said, and I don't know why you just didn't leave it alone. But on a particularly hard day, I came across the scripture, Luke 137. It said, for no word from God will ever fail, and that just, it hit me. And so I went to the Bible to read it in context, because y'all know y'all should always do that. It's not always what you think it is. <laughs> That's real. 
Um, but this particular scripture is, is when the, the angel came to Mary and said that you're going to bear a son. And he says, and your relative Elizabeth is also with child. Now, Elizabeth was old and thought to be barren. And then he said, for no word from God will ever fail. And I just thought, wow. Now, Elizabeth's story was not my story. I already had three children, but I couldn't help but relate to her and think she probably at some point felt like, God, why am I waiting? Why do I feel like the promises that you've given me aren't true? So I, I knew in this moment that God was trying to speak to me. And I want to give you this first thought. Um, hold on to the promise and keep moving forward. So in that moment, I decided to say, okay, God, if you will lead me, I will follow you. But that is, that's all I have. I decided against all logic to follow. It made no sense to me, and my heart was so broken, but I held on. So six months go by, and we finally see those two pink lines again. And this time, I was holding on to the promise, but I was scared. All that excitement that had happened the first time, it just wasn't there this time. But two, three, four months start to go by, and we decided to find out the gender early. And let me tell you, when we saw that blue smoke go up, there was celebrating in heaven that day, I promise you. <laughs> because we suddenly knew, we just cried because we were like, this is the child that God had promised to us. This is the promise. So then we get to the easy part, right? No. <laughs> Contractions started happening at six months. The doctor starts seeing things on the ultrasound that he's concerned about. At seven months, excruciating pain lands me in the hospital. And when our little guy was born six weeks early via C-section, that was done just in time to save both of our lives. He's rushed to the NICU because he can't breathe on his own. And at, at this point, that night in the hospital, even though my son is in the NICU and I'm in the hospital room and I can't see him, I don't get to hold him, I just remember laying there with my hands in the air and just thanking God because I knew that we could have both died. But we were both still here. This is the promise that God had given me. But then anybody who has been in the NICU knows that NICU time is just different than normal time. So when days turned into weeks, it got really hard because every day there was something new and something scary. And every day it was just this roller coaster of, I just want to take my son home. And I was, I was hurting. I was relying so much on the people around me to stand in the gap for me because all I could do was hold on to this promise and just hope that this was the promise that God had given me. So we finally get to take him home. <sighs> finally. I thought that was it. We're to the okay. But the next morning, y'all, the next morning, we get a call from the hospital. And they said, hey, we found something wrong with your son's newborn screening. And I'm like, what now? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And they tell us that he has genetic markers for um, cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disease that is most often fatal. There's no cure. And this leads us to two months of doctor's appointments and tests. And at this point, I just can't help but wonder, is the hard part ever going to be over? 
But then we finally get the answer that even though, yes, he has this gene, he does not have the disease. It's going to be okay. We finally get to the okay, for no word from God will ever fail. My second thought for you today is he always makes a way. None of this road to Seth looked like what I would have chosen. I never would have chose to go through this pain, but that was not God's heart for me to go through this pain. His promise wasn't incorrect. He wasn't confused the first time, and he got it right on the second time. He knew how difficult my path was going to be before I ever even knew it was a possibility. But he knew my heart so well that he knew I would need an image of what was going to be on the other side of that in order for me to keep going. Do you have the picture? I could have chosen <laughs> I could have chosen to stay in my pain and my grief and say God, you were wrong, but I would have missed out. I would have missed out on this whole person. And I don't know what your promise looks like, but I just want to encourage you that God has not forgotten about you. Your promise may not look like an image in your mind the way that mine did, but maybe it's just a hope, a longing for something in your heart that's so strong that no matter how much you try to ignore it, it just doesn't go away. Maybe you've heard God speak very clearly and you know exactly what he has for you, but it seems too hard and you just don't know if you're prepared to do that path. But I can tell you if it was easy, he probably wouldn't have to call you to do it because we do easy things on our own. And most of the time, we just have to hold on to that promise. Maybe your promise was so long ago you think it doesn't count anymore, but I just want to tell you that God hasn't forgotten you. He, your story is not over. And the only way that you don't get to the promise is if you stop moving forward. And even if only thing you can do is hold on, with all things, with God, all things are possible. Let me pray with you. God, I just wanted to pray for those people today. God, who are struggling in the waiting of the promise. God, I just want to pray over those people who have seen your promise, God, and it just seems too hard and the struggle is too much for them to bear. God, I want to pray for those people who might be waiting to hear your promise, God, and don't know if they know your voice. God, I just pray that they have strength and that they can move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give all of our communicators a big hand. You just don't know. And we, we don't know what you're fighting and what you're battling and what God's doing in you. But I know this, is that if you will just keep on. If you will hold the faith, come on, listen, if you will not let the enemy rip it from you, but that you will build your life, listen, on a firm foundation, something will be built that is more beautiful than what you're experiencing right now. Here's just the wrap up today. Nick told us that even when the odds are stacked up against us God could come through Destin encouraged us, encouraged us not to give in to fear but to come on like hold the faith and Tandy 
told us to hold on to the promises. Now, I, I, I don't know if we could wrap this up any better than these three concepts right now. But I am telling you that in this room, maybe you've given up on some hope. Maybe you've given up on some dreams. Maybe the adversity that you have experienced has been a gut punch to your purpose. And you, you are coming to church because you know it's good. But there is a disconnection between where you sit and relationship with God. And I am letting you know that God does not promise us easy. But He tells us that we can have victory. We can have victory, listen, over the enemy's plans. We can have victory over the enemy's schemes. We can have victory. And listen, if you feel like victory is so far from you that like, like that doesn't even resonate with you, I need you to realize, hold on, time out. If God can do it for them, He can do it for me. Come on, somebody. And so we're just going to sing this over you. And I just want you to just close your eyes for like 30 seconds. And I want you to begin to search your heart. And I want you guys to begin to go, okay, God. Okay, am I holding on to the promise? Am, am, I, am, am I walking in faith even when the odds stack against me? I, I, am, I, am I giving in to fear? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Except for heart singing Come on. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, I'm nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing heart. has been challenging challenged for you like you know what God gave you a promise God gave you a thing you believe that God's spoken over your life maybe you were prophesied over at, or at an early age or maybe someone called something out in you and because life has been tough you've kind of felt like that that's not going to happen for me anymore then I am here to challenge that for you because I believe that what God put in you is destined to come out. And I don't know why some people have to wait a little longer. I don't know why. I don't know why things happen the way they do. But I know that God is good even when we don't understand what's happening. And so come on, with every eye closed, if that's you today, and you, and you come on, you need to hold on to your promise. You need to go ahead and believe that, that even though the odds are stacked against you, God's faithful. If you need to overcome fear and listen, listen I need to respond in faith. And I'm, I'm asking you to reclaim your dream. I'm asking you to reclaim your assignment. I'm asking for your faith to rise. And if that's you, 
on the count of three, I want you to lift your hands right where you're at. One, two, three. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you see the tears. And Father, right now, I know that you're near the brokenhearted. And Father, I thank you that you are moving in this place right now. Father, I pray that you would heal. God, that you would move. Father, we prophetically speak over that assignment right now in the name of Jesus. That it's not lost, it's not gone, it's not dead. Father, you're resurrecting that right now in the name of Jesus. And God, that you are moving in this place. And we're going to see the promises that you've given in Jesus' name. Come on. So Father, that it's not an overextension, but it's the right place in the right community where they can be a light. Father, I pray for marriage. I believe there's a couple people that marriage has been stirring in you. Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Close the doors on the wrong ones. Open the doors to the right ones. Father, I pray for those families that are trying to have kids. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, that you would open wounds, open seasons. Father, I pray those that are in the middle of a, a job struggle right now. Maybe you're in a job struggle and you're trying to, to figure out where, what my next step is. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for favor and provision and open doors. I pray that you call people's names in meetings that they didn't even know they were invited to. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.